Welcome to Sunday Music Soapbox, Season 3, Episode 2. Today we are diving back into the wonderful world of film and acting. Our featured guest for this episode is one of my wonderful acting friends, Dean Feldman. Dean Feldman is a supporting actor on the feature film The Tomorrow War, featuring Chris Pratt, Betty Gilpin, and Sam Richardson. Dean has been in many other films, TV series, and commercials as well. He brings 33 years of experience to the screen from working in theater, movies, television, and commercials as an educator, coach, and actor. Dean's passion for his family and his enthusiasm for performing and learning make him a positive member on and off the set. Dean and I met as background actors a few years ago on the set of the Stargirl DC series, and we also did some work together on Ozark Season 3. Dean and I both have been teaching for a long time, and this is one of our many talking points. If you're currently an actor or inspiring actor, or you just want to hear some great stories and advice about being on a film set, you are going to really enjoy this episode. So here's my interview with our very special guest, actor Dean Feldman. Hi, Dean. Hey, how's it going? How are you today? How's it going? Oh, it's great. It's a beautiful day, and I'm so excited to be with you today. I, we're, we are excited to have you here with us, and I, I think I want to start with, how did we first meet on a set? Is that how we met? Yeah, we were. It was actually my very first job um, working background. I was working on Stargirl, um, and we were both teachers, and the, the fun thing about That's that right. was um, it was a all group of teachers and then 10,000 high school kids. Yeah. Um, and um, at the time I was a high school theater teacher. And so yeah. I was doing this over the summers. And um, so it was a lot of fun to, you know, be on that side, not in charge, but also playing a teacher. And then later to find out that you were also a teacher. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And I remember that talking about education and you were in theater and were, were you also like an administrator at your school? Yeah, I did. Um, I taught theater and film um, for um, 31 years. And then my last couple of years, I transitioned was doing more administrative work and then working with teachers and bringing technology to the classroom. Well, man, I didn't I, I knew that you were teaching some, some theater and film, but I didn't hear in that long. I got to I got to get some lessons from you. I got to I got <laughs> to. You know, I got to come down to Atlanta at some point. Yeah, we were both in education. I remember that. And I, I, I think I saw you on a couple other things, didn't we? Yeah, we worked on some other things after that. I think that summer, there's so much was going on. Sweet Magnolias, maybe? With the Richard Jewell um, yeah. movie. I played a reporter, which was fun. And it was a small scene. I think there's maybe 15 reporters. And then in walks um, Clint Eastwood. And I felt like I was watching a master class um, and getting paid for it. And so I remember when those alerts went out for that, and it said all day outside. I'm like, nope. And then I saw the other one that was the uh, karaoke bar, and I was like, I'll do that. I'm hoping <laughs> it was inside, but it was ended up being outside anyway. And uh, what's funny about that is when I was on that set, it was just in a quick blurb in the in the I'm a karaoke patron when everybody's watching the news where the word comes on that he's being arrested or whatever. There was a piece of the set of the restaurant outside that the wind blew over and it fell and almost hit like the assistant director. And I actually caught it. Wow. So I was like, you know, I was hoping for a raise that day or, <laughs> or a quick speaking role or something. Exactly. But uh, I didn't say anything, but uh, anyway. Okay. Yeah. And I think we were, we both did. We, I think I saw you on Ozark or at yep. least in the waiting room. 
Yeah, we did Ozarks and uh, and oh gosh, um, um, Insatiable. Did you do that one? Did not do that one. No. Um, and then I did um, Teenage Bounty Hunter. Yeah. Well, did not do that one. But you know, I just what I was gonna say was like when I see somebody, especially you, you have a you know, like a great smile, very positive person. And then it's just fun because you're going to these sometimes they're cattle calls and there's like all these mm-hmm. people and sometimes it's their first time doing background and they don't know where to go and what they're doing and it makes the PAs a little bit frustrated. And then you look across the room and then there's somebody you know. I'm like, hey, you know, it's, I know. it's great to see a, a, a shining face that you know. You've been teaching film and theater a lot. Did you is your background is like a young person back in the day when you were a kid, did you, did you do theater training back then or? Yeah. I always knew from a young age that one, I loved performing. I, I knew, I also knew I wanted to teach. So I went into college with that, um, wanting a degree in theater education. Um, and so I was fortunate. I grew up in Northern Chicago in the eighties. Wow. Yeah. Aging me here. Um, but it was right at the time when all the John Hughes movies were filmed in and around where I grew oh, up. Oh, man. And so it was there was so much going on. Of course, back then, you know, nobody knew um, that they would be what they are today. Right. Um, I remember my very first movie was a movie called Class with this young actor. He had only done one movie before named Rob Lowe. Um, <laughs> it was his first movie. It was Andrew McCarty's first movie. I grew up with John Cusack doing summer camp. And so we were all together and it was just, I mean, that was my first That's exposure so to background back when they had to develop the film. Yeah. I, well, you know, my sons and I, I mean, obviously the, the, one of the world's classics is the breakfast club. And, um, my sons, you know, we're going up to Chicago. I'm like, you need to go see where they, you know, go to the sets where they filmed Breakfast Club. And I found out with through research, well, the, the police, it's a it's a police department. The, the main thing, the high school is now a police department up there. But the uh, the library, that was all built inside yep. of a, like a high school gym. Yep. Or something. Yes, it was. And uh, that, that's so crazy. They built that entire library for that set. And it was just incredible film. And uh, all that John Hughes stuff was incredible. That's really amazing. And so... Were you okay? So you mostly doing like what was your route? You did some training, and then did you do some acting early on, or you just like jumped into the teaching route, or you know what was your yeah, route? I did. Um, I did theater in college, and 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 also double majored in and created the, gr- the degree. I went to Indiana University, okay. and they didn't have a theater education degree because back then it was a lang- an English teacher that would teach a theater. class. Yeah. And so I was able to um, tailor a degree together. And as part of that um, program, I was, had the opportunity my senior year to um, go abroad and teach at a college and intern with the Royal Shakespeare Company. And so awesome. I got to do that for a year. Um, and, and it was at that point I said, OK, I grew up in Chicago. I went to school in the Midwest. Um, I just about to turn 21. I said, you know, I don't want to I want to there's other places in the country to go. And so um it was rare that there were full-time theater positions, but Georgia had had one and um, didn't know anybody, packed up my car and came here. Wow. When was, what year was that? That was 1988. That's awesome. You know, I was in drama in high school in ninth grade, but I was kind of the, the drummer. I was the, you know, the Tommy Lee of, of mm-hmm. high school. And um, so I went that route and I was in drumline and I I actually was voted most talented of our senior class. So I got that coming for me. <laughs> But anyway, I love the 80s, man. That's what, a lot of great things happened. And I'm, I'm proud to be a child of the 80s for sure. Yes. A young person of the 80s. Um, <laughs> so you came down and you were doing the theater thing you were teaching. And 
do, I mean, with me, I fell into all this late and I'm still just getting started and I'm doing training and all these things with you. What was your, like, um, your transition into like background? I mean, was background acting the first thing that you did technically on film? Yeah, I'll tell you, this was not in the plan for me. I had no, it wasn't even in my wildest dreams to do film television. I was, you know, I love teaching and theater and directing was my big thing. And um, my son was a competitive gymnast. And one of the moms was there, she said, um, hey, um, my other son is doing Stranger Things. And he had season one, he had done a whole bunch of when they were at, at the mall and yeah. said, do you think about doing background? I'm like, mm, no, I never did, but sure. So she gave me some casting directors um, email. So I applied and um, that April I got a call and said, Hey, we're interested in, would you like to be a teacher in this new star girl um, production? And so I just, that just went just to have fun, be a sponge and take it all in. And from right. there, one thing led to another and then went to the, so that summer, there must've been about, eight or nine different projects um and i'm i was doing a workshop for teachers in august of 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 that same year i started in april and in august i got an email from um tammy smith who was um casting all the background for a new chris pratt movie yeah i want to stop i want to stop you right there because we're going to talk about that whole thing and i'm an amazing story isn't it funny how life works sometimes? Oh, yeah. A lot of times things that come successful in life are things that come, we just kind of fall into it as yeah. opposed to being the person that, you know, the only thing they want to do their whole life is be an actor and get, and get famous or whatever. And they, they, they claw and they work and they sweat and they grind for years and years and years and may never do it. It's funny how sometimes destiny can just like kind of lay something in your lap and then, you know, and it, and it kind of, takes you somewhere it puts you kind of at an advantage not being you know the the desperate one seeking a role you know where it just falls and you you have a different kind of attitude when you walk on the set you know oh that's the truth and I'll, and I'll tell you what the key is and i always taught my students this one um whatever job you do if it's in theater film um in business show up early be polite and nice to everybody and keep your mouth shut unless somebody asks you a question and it is amazing um, how that can just doing that. You show respect. You sh- you're kind to people, and then things happen. I mean, it's yeah. just it, it's just a, it's amazing how that works. So just go there and just enjoy the process. So uh, you know, I, I I fell into this late. You know, I, back in the uh, uh, I I was teaching at Paulding County High School, a marching band there, and I was assistant director, and our, our band got chosen to be in the parade scene for the second Dumb and Dumber movie, which was didn't even have Jim Carrey, but it had Cherry O'Terry and Eugene Levy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that was like an early 2000s. That was kind of fun, and I never really thought of anything about it. Went back to work, teaching, playing d- drums, and touring and doing that stuff. And then, yeah, it was Stranger Things 3, and I, you know, it's funny how you just fall into these things. I see a notice in Atlanta, you probably saw it, you know, Stranger Things 3, looking for a high school marching band, you know. Yep. Um, I had all my students apply. I applied. Nobody got it because, found out later, they were just using college kids. And that's a big thing where they'd rather use 18 and up kids to do that. So they they said high school, but they didn't pick any high school kids. They were all yep. kids that were 18 and up. They were in college. But um, And so, but then I got emails and, and I just started falling into, you know, I did episode six. So I was a carnival worker, which I always say. They wanted me to be a carnival worker. I don't know what that says about me, <laughs> but, 
but anyway, and then the, the whole thing happened with the with the theater scene, and, and again, uh, like what you're talking about, get, getting on set, learning, keeping your mouth shut, and boy, we 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 both know there's some people on set that that don't wow. keep their mouth shut, and they don't stick around for very long. No, they don't. <laughs> um, and- and that yeah. was the hardest thing, I think, when we and I were doing um, Star Girl because we were teachers. So that teacher mode came out of me. Like, the, you know, the PAs was, okay, when we say cut, everybody, please be quiet. Don't say anything. And those high school kids started running their mouths. And I was like, it oh, took yeah. every ounce of me not to fall back well, into teacher mode. I'm with, yeah, I'm with you, too. Well, to me, it's not the kids because I expect it. It's some of the adults yeah. that just bad experience with just seeing people on set at their worst, you know. Anyway, I'm sure we've seen both. And I've then a lot of great people, too, on the set. So, Oh, it, it was like summer camp to me. You know, every time I would go on set for background, it was like, oh, who am I going to see today? And, just, you know, it's when you're in our age group, you know, yeah. there's a smaller pool. So you yeah. see a lot of the same people from show to show. And that's what I love about turning on these movies and television show. You know, we're big Stranger Thing people. And there you are, you know, driving the bus. And yeah. I'm, oh, my God, there he is. There's Chad. Yeah. And then. There you are in the hallway, you know, so you yeah. get to you see all these people in on these different sets. And it's just it's, it's a neat camaraderie. Be on volume two coming out. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be in this other scene. And so I don't know. I've just been very blessed and very lucky. Um, I don't like my face when I shave, but apparently the face gods are blessing me or the planets are aligned or the directors had a good coffee and got some sleep <laughs> that day. Uh, I'm very, very lucky. Um, speaking of like starting late like as me you know i, I have a question for you and, okay. and i think that you're the best person to ask for this do you think starting late in the acting career puts actor at a disadvantage not at all i think it's um sometimes an advantage because with you know a lot of the shows you know especially these young 20 year olds and there's so many people that are vying for those roles when you get to the older um roles then there's less of a actor pool and if you start later you don't have bad habits that you've accumulated um, and you're not necessarily like you were talking about earlier, desperate. I need this job to pay the rent. I need this job to yeah. you know, put food on the table. You're doing it most likely because you're having fun and you're moldable. I mean, taking classes yeah. is key. Um, observing, watching what's going on on set. Um, and then, um, you know, I think older people, 40s and up i mean it's a great opportunity there's lots of opportunities for different types of roles and it's never too late ever 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 right well that's yeah that's so true and um speaking of training what what kind of training have you been doing like have you been i know you've got all this background and and this knowledge that you shared with all of your students i'm sure have you personally been you had some goals are you training currently have you been training you know, to make that transition. And I want to talk about your transition from background to that teacher role that you had in a minute. But, you know, what what kind of stuff have you been up to? Oh, my gosh. It, it First of all, the hardest thing for me was as a director, you know, giving people direction. It was weird for me to now be a student taking class. So that yeah. took that took a little while. OK, Dean, you're the student. You're not you don't have to be in charge. Just, you know, right. but theater and film, that was the biggest um challenge for me because i'm very animated to begin with and um film and television everything is so subtle the facial expressions the nuances um you know i have big eyes or you know um you know the eyebrows go up and that 
is just way, way, way too much. So it's right. taking classes and acting for the camera, taking scene study classes for film and television, taking classes for commercial because commercial acting is a whole different style than it is for, um, you know, if you're doing a movie or you're doing a sitcom or you're doing episodic. And then working with an acting coach has been, I think, the best thing that I ever did because then you get that one-on-one. Um, right. I work with coach not only on stuff that I have an audition for so we run through it um, somebody that knows how casting works and knows what um, is going to play on camera what is too much what is too little and it's going to make you stand out but the biggest thing is being real they just want people that are real people don't try to second guess what they want just yeah. be yourself. don't oversell it be, be right. in the- and I've, I've learned a lot. I, I'm, I'm getting ready. I've done a couple of self-tape class. I'm getting ready to take another self-tape class and get some personal training with uh, Jesse James LaCourier, who's a Nashville. Uh-huh. Um, and he's been on you know, Ozark and walking down a lot of things, a lot of things. He's, I took his uh, self-tape class with him a while back and it was incredible. And just getting a lot of training and a lot of things. Yes. About being still. And, you know, the thing, it's like anything else though, you know, acting what i'm what i'm learning from is you know you want all the tools you want to get training you want to learn about techniques and everything but when you get on set you have to be so flexible and oh, so yeah. adaptable one director is this kind of style and he wants you to go for it this one is like you you breathe wrong and you're doing the wrong thing and you have to you know it's really if you're not an adaptable flexible kind of person it's going to be tough Oh, I can't tell you how many times I've gone on set and what I memorize and what I do on set are two totally different things sometimes. So, oh, I, yeah. yeah, you just have to be flexible. You just have to go with the flow and, um, and, and just really, the key is just really listening and responding to what's going on around you. Great point. Um, going back to like, okay, the background acting thing. Okay. I want to talk about that. Okay. So you, you and I have done a lot of background acting a lot. And there's, there's again, Jesse James, the courier, he said to me, you know, people can make a career out of it. Do you feel, though, that like being background has its limits? Like people, directors, oh, he's just a background actor. He's not a real actor. Is, is there a, you know, a, high, a real hierarchy there? Is there an issue like, you know, do you find that it being in background has its limits? Background to me is, is on the job training. I mean, if you go into background and you just listen and watch, you can learn so much and see how different directors work, see how different sets work. You know, if you're on a um, a student film compared to um, something at one of the big studios, um, you can just see how those different um, projects come together. And that is just you can't get that in class. I mean, it's really it's on the job training and you're learning when they say, okay. I need first, you know, first team in, second team. Okay, yeah. get to your mark. Okay, yeah. stuff that you're picking up that lingo. So if you get that opportunity to get on set and you are given a line or you're given a part, you know what's going on. You're not. You're going to be nervous to begin with, but you're not going to be like a deer in headlights. So right. So just, I mean, it's just observing, taking it all in. And some people are just happy. I know lots of my background friends don't want to speak. They are just happy, just playing these different roles in the background and being with their friends. Yeah. Get a little, get a little paycheck and get fed for the day. Yeah. Out the door. You know, some people go on set. They don't want to do anything. They just want to be paid for the day, read their paper in the corner. That's you have that too. That's true. Some of the big cattle calls. I mean, I've seen that as you probably have. Um, Yeah. Those are all great points. And I, I agree with you training on the job that all the things I have learned, you know, before I took any acting stuff training at all, 
I was just going to all those sets and looking and listening. And I, I'm, I am stealth on set. I am quiet. I do not, you know, I've, we've all had that moment where we've asked the PA a question at the wrong time. Of and course. Got a dir- director yelling in his ear and he can't answer us. You forget they have the headphones in and, and you're like, oh, sorry, you know. But I, you, you learned a lot. And um, I agree with you. Being background is, is great training. Um, and another and, another thing that is wonderful about background, and you don't know who is the PA on this set here that's going to be the assistant director on the next set you're on. I mean, it's a small world, this business. And so that goes back to being nice to everybody, being quiet, because it is so much um, – a network and networking and getting to know people. Cause so I can't tell you how many times I've seen people. I saw people in the past that were quiet doing what they're supposed to do, where they were supposed to be when they told them to. And then, you know, the PAs are, are a lot of times the ones that are making people featured and putting them up front. And yeah. if you are where you're supposed to do what you're supposed to do, you're where you're supposed to be. You're not wandering off and talking, you know, that can elevate you right there. And that can, you know, give you the opportunity for something else, maybe in the next project. Okay, so at some point, uh, you know, having an agent eventually, if you want to go on past background acting and have a goal for speaking roles, having an agent becomes crucial. Um, how does an actor who wants to make that kind of a jump get an agent? Like what has to happen or, you know, what and particularly what happened for you? And, and you can go ahead and uh, talk about this, uh, this, this moment, this <laughs> big moment that you had. Go for it. Life-changing moment. Well, first I want to answer about the, having an agent I and mean, how about going or- – to um, secure an agent, one, you don't need an agent to get speaking parts because there are lots of projects out there. Actors Access is your number one thing you need to get yourself registered for. It's free. There's a paid version, but the free version is totally fine uh, to get started. And then you self-submit for stuff, student projects, independent films. Sometimes there's even big films that are looking for um, small speaking parts. And so constantly apply even if you get an agent and when you get an agent you're still constantly self-submitting yourself and so the big thing that agents are going to look for one are you taking class how are you training when you're not working are you constantly training and that could be training in person and then the wonderful thing um, nowadays you can do training on zoom with wonderful people around the country around the world and so they want to see the type of training you're doing that you have some um credits or footage um, that you can show a potential agent. And then a lot of it is doing classes with casting directors and agents. So they get to know you, Um, you know, you don't take a class because you want to get an agent if they're teaching it, but you're getting this, you're on their radar. And so that way, if when you go to maybe um, submit um, to their agency, you can put in your cover letter that you took a, a class with them or you were in a workshop with them and that will trigger something um, maybe that will put you um, on the top of the list for them to take a look at your work. Yeah, so that, that's the key is just you can work without an agent, um, but you want to also constantly be training and, and self-submitting and doing something just to build up that resume so you can show a potential agent that you're serious about this. Yeah, those are those are excellent points. And I've, you recently had this big moment on screen in, in the film The Tomorrow War. Yes. Chris Pratt. Tell us about your role, your, your actual role in that, and, and the story about how you landed that role. Oh, my gosh. Well, again, um, it, it's, it's being nice to people, being professional. I was on the, the final episode of Insatiable. 
um, that was um, must have been a hundred, two hundred adults there. It was the big finale scene, and I remember the very end. The casting director Tammy Smith was giving away. They gave away some prizes. They're doing a fun drawing, just as her way to thank everybody. I had never met Tammy Smith in my life. I had never got to talk to her. Um, and I'm sitting at the table and she walks past me and she says, oh, I like you. You're nice. I was like, well, thank you very much. And that was it. Right. Um, and I don't know if she just saw that I was doing what I was supposed to do. Whatever it was, I was on her radar because when they were doing, when she was casting um, background for The Tomorrow War, the producers were asking for pictures for, um, I think it was four different roles that they were looking for that were going to be um working for three months, which is totally unusual for a project, three months with the main cast. And it was started off because they were looking for a certain look and she submitted my picture and I got an email that said, I had no idea she had done that. Yeah. And I, I got an email that said, you've been um, selected by Chris Pratt and producers for this new movie. Can you go to boot camp training next week? Now, hold on. Did you have an agent or anything? No, no, no. All I had done was background. Yeah. I had not had a speaking role. I had nothing, which is the, that was a funny story that will happen with that. I'll tell you. Um, so I show up to this boot camp thinking, oh, my golly, am I they got the wrong person? Do they think I'm somebody else? You know, the only gun I had ever shot in my life was a water pistol. Um, and so I show up to this boot camp training and it was at one of the big studios and I show up and I get there and I walk in the door and then the, um, one of the assistant directors says, Hey Dean, how are you? I'm like, Oh, so we saw, we saw your picture on the wall. So I guess they have all of our pictures on the wall and, and they bust us over to the studio and then in walks Sam Richardson in walks Mary Lynn, all these big Hollywood actors start coming in. I'm sitting there. Oh my gosh. Uh, and then in walks Chris Pratt and there's must've been about 15 of us. We had the group of actors that were going into the future to save the world with Chris. And then there was the ones that were the future soldiers that really knew what they were doing. So we were the bad news bears. We were average everyday citizens, but they put us through a week long um, intensive military Navy SEAL training and how to shoot guns, how to do, swipe a room how to do everything that you need to know if you are in the military and yeah. i was getting paid for it i later found out that was probably thousands of dollars of of classes we took for a whole week but we were shooting guns that were shooting blanks and blanks can kill you and so yeah. um we had to learn all the proper stuff just in case chris mckay the director said hey i want them to do this we knew what to do yeah. um, and so, and again, I still was clueless on how lucky I was. And those our very last day of boot camp training. We're at Tyler Perry Studios and the old army barracks. We were doing a whole simulation, going through a building, swiping it, looking for um, bad people, which were the white spikes. And um, we're sitting around all of the actors and they start asking each other, oh, who represents who? Because they wanted to know who's who is their agent? And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, Dean, don't, 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 don't hope they don't come to you. Yeah. <laughs> it was my, they said, Dean, um, who represents you? I said, um, myself. They said, what? How did you get this job? And I told them the story. They said, oh, don't worry. When we're done, we'll, we'll put in a referral for you. And that's how it happened. Uh, I got yeah. a referral and um, had three months um, working closely with with um, Chris Pratt and and we were in studios on the streets of Atlanta and it was before my big scene um, 
where the white spike was going to come and get me. And it was right before that scene. And I had, I had a stunt double in that scene. Um, and Chris Pratt came to me and the director, they said, Hey, we got to talk to you. I said, Hey, what's up? They said, um, we got to ask you something and also tell you something that, you know, 31 years, you have gotten kids ready for this business. We want to um, pay it back and we want to give you lines in the scene that you have today. And I was like, first of all, I was about to burst into tears because I knew that if you have lines, even one in a film, you are then become SAG eligible, which opens a whole set of doors. This one right, of those 22s. Sure. You can't get SAG eligible unless you have speaking lines right. I, um, or you, but you can't get speaking lines unless you have an A. It was this whole thing that opened up this whole door. Next thing I know it, I have a trailer. Next thing I know it, it was just a whole new um yeah. Um, opportunities for me and that was because of them that's the type of people they were that um, is beautiful man and that's you know education we both you know i've been teaching music this is my going into my 28th year of music education wow. um i love working with and that's I, that's another thing on the sidebar you know that kind of thing teaching and working with people for that long as we have prepares you to work with people like that yeah you know it's yeah. it's a, you wouldn't think it you know because oh i gotta have all this acting training but it's really a people business and you, and, and if you can communicate and be positive, that's so amazing that, uh, you know, we'd like to put it out there for the audience, you know, that this doesn't happen to everyone. No, <laughs> no. Know, people that are in background like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just get discovered one day. Well, you never know. Maybe, maybe not. But um, I think, I think the, you know, a lot of the positivity that you bring and all again, obviously all of the background you did with teaching and helping other students, right. That, that all just came together at that moment, you know? Yeah. That's what they said. They said, you've been doing, you've been preparing for this your whole life. Now it's our time to make it happen. Um, well, and how did they know, like, did they know that you, what you've done or they, you, they just, you talked about it or somebody researched your background or what? Yeah. Well, you know, we all sit around and talk. I mean, we were having lunch and dinner together. We were all hanging out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had no idea when I started that Sam Richardson was, you know, this big actor on this show and that show and, and was on yeah. uh, and Mary Lynn was on 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 24 for for like five seasons. And and so we just sat around it and talked and and then they get to know you. And um, this was later. Everything gets filmed out of order. So this was out of the three months that we filmed. This was probably when they when I got the opportunity to um, be, um, get lines in the scene. It was probably probably four weeks before we were about to finish. So they had know and knew who I was, and they knew the background. And um, a lot of the actors would come and ask questions about character development. You know, I got to play teacher to them, um, and yeah. so yeah, that's how it happened. And um, and again, it was being you know they said you're always where you're supposed to be. You're never late. You're always early, and you. Um, you know, do the job and make our job easy. So they wanted to give it back. That's incredible. And that I watched the movie. The funny thing is I was never involved in that movie, but my house was, remember? I told yes. You, you caught, I remember when it came out, you said, Oh my gosh, did you film it? And he gave, and he gave me one of the tracks. I said, Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. That, that's where I lived in Swanee for several years. My house right next door. So yay for my house or whatever that was. Uh, but seriously, what have you been working on lately? What's coming up for you? Um, I had just, um, again, talking about being professional, uh, you know, is the small world. I've, I did last year, November, December, I did two Hallmark movies and I just finished my third one last weekend in Miami. And again, being the producers, um, being polite, being on time, doing what you're supposed to do, you know, uh, then they get to know you and they say, OK, I want to work with this person again.
Right. Um, so I have those coming up. I have worked on a movie in, in, in Virginia um, about a Olympic tennis player that was born deaf that became this big Olympic sensation back in the 70s. Um, so I play a doctor on there. And um, so, yeah, so just constantly, if you're not auditioning, you're taking class. If you're not taking class, you're networking and PRing yourself. And it's just a full-time business, just keeping, keeping your name out there and letting people know who you are, what you're doing. And, um, and just the biggest thing, like you said, is just enjoy the process. Don't be desperate. Don't rush it. When it happens, it's going to happen. Right. Right. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. I want to go back to, you know, when you were featured that the casting agent saw you and you have this, this look, right? Your bald head look with the glasses and, you know, and, and it brings up the subject of typecasting and, and not that you, I don't know if you have a lot of things like that. I, when I first started in background, I, you know, I got picked for a lot of teacher things, right? I know why I am a teacher, but I also with my glasses, I, I don't guess I worked that role is typecasting is role typecasting a good or bad thing. I E like teacher nerdy ball guy, or is that something you should really just milk for all it's worth? No, I say you milk it because the hardest thing that an agent wants to know is what's your type because they got to sell you. You know, when an agent gets a casting, if they're looking for a certain role, you need to fit that type. Um, And so, yeah, I I get typed as um, teacher, doctor, you know, lawyer. And so um, to me. I don't care if I'm typecast, I'm working and I'm having fun. Now, once sure. you start building up that resume and you get to do student films, maybe you play, you know, a, um, a harder edge character, then you have footage and you can then your agent or yourself can sell that and say, hey, look what else I can do. Um, but no, being typecast um, is not, not a problem at all for me. The bald head and my look like Stanley Tucci did work at a disadvantage because a lot of times they would say, oh, Dean, we can't move you up front now. You're too recognizable. Yeah. And or the so- or the lights glaring off your forehead. Get <laughs> <laughs> yes. some more makeup on. But I do uh- now, thanks to my agent, say, OK, Dean, um, we got to get you a wig um, to give because casting directors. Um, don't have an imagination. They can't picture you like a certain part. But if you have pictures that you have a wig that you look like a, um, you know, an upscale doctor, you know, then the, the casting director is more likely to then select you to pass on to either audition or pass on to producers. So having a look, if it's so recognizable that like my bald head, having something different that you can play different parts. Yeah. Well, I have, you know, speaking of like speaking roles, pun intended, um, <laughs> while here in Nashville, like you told me, and by the way, you've given me some great advice. I really appreciate you. And thanks for being there for me. Uh, you know, Dean has looked at some of my sides, my self tapes, and I like this one better than this one. And I really appreciate that. I'm not going to do that all the time, I promise, but I appreciate no, but it. But it's it's a network and having that network of friends, having that network of support that can be there for each other. That's what it's all about. Well, I appreciate that. Well, so so I landed this. Um, I did a couple of background things here in Nashville to this person. And then um, there was a thing on Nashville casting on, on Facebook. And, hey, we're looking for and again, student project Lipscomb University. I'm like, well, this will be nice. So I got picked to do um, this scene as a security guard. And I sent a self tape and they were like, this is great. We're like, all right, we want, you're going to be the guy. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> so, so I'm in this, you know, extended scene with these, with these two girls and the story in the movie is called the package and the director is Jessica Hudkins. And it's going to come out at some point, but these are all Lipscomb university students, right? Film students. I was so impressed with 
their level of professionalism, the set, the, um, the how the team worked. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, you and I have been up close with, you know, JB on Ozark, you know, Duffer Brothers on Stranger Things, you know, work with them. And like, and I, it wasn't much of a difference. I was really right. impressed on how amazing these, I call them kids, were, you know, these college students. So there's that, you know, getting some some speaking there. And then from that, um, that went well. And that hadn't even come out yet. I got recommended for another project from another student film at Lipscomb called Kung Pao, which is this five-minute basic comedy mm-hmm. uh, that takes place in this diner. And the director is David King. And Finley Joel, I think, worked with him on that. That's eventually coming out. Um, but it's, it, it, it uh, was nominated for some awards at the Lipscomb Film Festival. So oh. for like the five-minute film festival they have or whatever. So it's pretty good. I'm excited about it. Again, I know, right, and for everybody out there listening, to get training. Training is important. Uh, you you want to have all the tools in your bag, you know, with you when you go on set that you can pull from. And sometimes you don't even have to pull those tools, right? It's something different. But you want that, you know, just like that big meme of the iceberg, you know, where it says preparation mm-hmm. on the bottom and that's the biggest part of the iceberg, right? And hey, oh, yeah. the, top, the top of the iceberg is just a little part and says actual filming, you know, or something. Exactly. You know? And so, yeah, so awesome. And, and um, the student films, I mean, those directors, they want to get noticed and this that's their, their ticket to getting bigger jobs. And today's student director can be the next director over at um, Truett Studios, Pinewood, uh, Tyler Perry. So again, it's that networking. You do well with those student films, like you got recommended for something else, or they can be the next PA, the next director. Um, and so, yeah, so just having that that experience. And sometimes, especially for me, when I was starting out with getting speaking roles in student films, I was nervous, but I wasn't working on a million dollar budget that I was able to feel a little bit more at ease that um, I can not be as um, self-conscious and do my job. So when I do get those speaking roles on bigger projects, I've already practiced speaking in front of a camera, practiced my eye lines, and that helps. Name one or two of your favorite, favorite scenes you've ever filmed and perhaps some of your favorite sets you've been excited to be a part of. Well, I, my, one of my favorite sets had to be the Star Girl because it was my my first my first day because I was like a fish out of water, had no clue what to even expect. Uh, so, and that was when I met some of my good friends on on that on that project that I still keep in touch with, like yourself. Yeah. Uh, so that was memorable because it gave me um, that was the start. If it was a bad experience working on the set, I may have not come back and done any more, and then I would have never had these opportunities so i think that one is very memorable of course on the tomorrow war i mean i'll be forever um grateful because that that was just an atmosphere that chris mckay the director set up that everybody no matter who you are is treated equal yeah when we did the scenes with um hundreds of black background people every single la professional actor would say hello to anybody that was next to them. They yeah. were, were too good. Um, and that was, and everybody knew everybody's name. You were treated um, with like you were a professional. Yeah. Um, and again, of course, having three months, which everybody told me, Dean, this is unusual. You don't work three months on a project like this. Usually, you know, you come in for a week at most, you know, but uh, yeah. so that one was memorable. And then working on um, student films, and just getting to try new things, um, try different characters that are not my type um, has been fun. Um, and then working um, 
you know, working on commercials. I think that has been a lot of fun because commercials are like a, a mini production that are done in one day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, name, name a series or film that you would absolutely love to be on. Is there something that you're like, Ooh, I would love to be on that. Oh gosh. I, first of all, I would love to be on any of the law and orders. I love, <laughs> I love those. Awesome. Um, and I heard that's a good rite of passage. If you can, you know, get onto that. Um, I love Chicago fire, Chicago MD, um, our, those TV shows, um, Ozarks. I would love, uh, to have had a, a part, a, a speaking part of that. That was one of my, my favorites. That was an incredible set. Again, everybody was respectful. Jason Bateman walked by. Oh, they loved you. I mean, um, so that was neat. And then, um, gosh, I would love to do, um, one of the, um, the Marvel movies. Yeah. Well, Jake, going back to Jason Bateman, like he literally, I remember the day, I don't know if you're there, uh, when the big blackjack game with, uh, I forget, uh, um, the son, the, 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 the son in the, the, in the mafia yes, yes, yes. card game. Uh-huh. And, and we were going really long on that. And he just stopped and he like, think was thanking everybody. We weren't done yet, but he was like thanking everybody and the background people and talking to them. And, um, I, I that, yeah, that was the most, that was stranger things as well. But stranger things a little bit more intense as far as the set, everybody's good to everybody there too. But JB just had a personal touch on that set with everyone. It just, just permeated the whole set. It was absolutely incredible. And the funny thing about that is that, you know, that day when at the last minute I get picked to play piano um, and we did that little scene that ended up getting cut. It was part of that commercial for the boat that I went back to do another scene like uh, two weeks later and the PA, I forget her name, but she says, she's like, Chad, come here. I got to tell you something funny. I go, what? She goes, the other piano guy came back and, and Jason JB went up to him and goes, you're Chad, right? <laughs> I was like, he knows my name. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, uh, yeah, but, but, uh, memorable. yeah, it was fun. Uh, those were all fun moments. And, uh, those are all great, great things that you're involved in with that. You got a Chris Pratt moment. You told us about a couple. You got to, got to. Oh yeah. I remember it was, um, it was my son's 13th birthday and um, we had just filmed the night before the big scene where I saved his life and I sacrificed myself. And I'm like, go run, run. He said, he's saying, come on. No. I said, you know, go, go, go. And then I get snatched up. And so it was the next day. And of course we're filming out of order. And it's the two of us in the back room. And I said, Hey, Chris, I got a favor to ask you. He said, yeah, I said, it's Luke's 13th birthday. Um, um, can I get a picture for Luke? He said, Oh yes. Get your camera out. So he took a picture and then he said, give me your phone. I want to make a video for Luke. So I thought he was just going to say happy birthday. He did a almost a two minute video, you know, being a teenager, the responsibility, listen to your dad. He's the man, you know, do what you're supposed to do. Hopefully I'll get to meet you someday. I mean, and that's the type of person he was. Oh, that's amazing. Name something crazy that has happened while you're on set. I have one in particular, but what's something that just like something out of left field, good or bad? Something just wild happened. Oh, okay. Um, I, <laughs> I remember there was, a, there was a project that I was doing, and I had a very important hand prop that I was supposed to have. And um, we got everybody to places, and they were getting camera stuff, and they're doing all, and I realized, oh, my gosh, I don't have it. I don't have it. What am I going to do? Um, and so I was able to send a message down the stairs to the PA to get the prop up. Um, to me before they, they, cause I was afraid, oh my gosh, that's all I need is, you know, the continuity is going to be all off. Oh, and, and sometimes directors don't wait. I mean, you, you, you get, you know, that's like stressful. 
Oh yes, and 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 you don't want to you don't want to be the one that's stopping everything nope. from motion. And the other thing was, um, um, I had a different pair of glasses um, on, and I had left them in my trailer, and I put a pair on that I thought were the ones that I had in the scene before. And I'm like, oh no, these are the wrong glasses. These are the wrong glasses. And and so, um, luckily, luckily they had to change lenses, and they had to. Um, take a break for 20 minutes so i was able to run and get the right glasses so oh those God. were two incidents where i was like oh no on what you're in panic mode thing were you on set the day at ozark when the guy lost his mind uh about the 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 costuming person was helping him with his like he had a wallet chain and she tucked it in for him and he freaked out were you there no but i heard about that one. Oh my god it's this guy that's got a reputation i guess and i've, I've heard he's been kicked off of several sets for just acting outrageous and he just um it was crazy because we're sitting there and the pa goes hey um hey when you're sitting here at the at the casino and and they're, they're cussing over there you can react to it i said okay so like that she was talking about like ruth and 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 um you know wendy bird's brother or something having a conversation so like you can react to it like like you normally would. okay not even 30 seconds later he goes what in the f and blah blah screaming oh and i thought it was part of the show i thought they're already filming i was like i turn around and it's that guy he lost his mind on the set even you know jason bain was there looking at him jb was just like what is going we all were like what is is this really happening right now and they just had to escort him off the set mm. don't touch me oh my it was that was the craziest thing i've ever seen but anyway Dean, it's been awesome. I, thanks for spending this time uh, with us today at Sunny Music Soapbox. We're really excited about what you're doing, and uh, I'm, I'm going to continue to, you know, not bug you too much, but oh, you know, ask for some time when I can. I appreciate you very, very much. I appreciate you, and um, again, this has been a highlight um, to be to be a part of your podcast. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bud. Thank you. This concludes Season 3, Episode 2, an interview with Dean Felbin. If you liked what you heard today, please follow us on Instagram at Sunday Music Soapbox or Facebook. And if you have any suggestions or comments, please email us at sundaymusicsoapbox at gmail.com. <laughs>